0: recently i was uh, i was leaving my apartment got into my elevator and the elevator stopped at seven and i saw the comp- the hallway was completely dark now you should know something about my building so that you can understand this story there's an east side and a west side to my building i live on the west side and each um each floor has only two apartments so my neighbor gets into the elevator on the seventh floor and i'm going to call her Anya she's a, a lovely Russian Jewish woman. And uh, just to protect her privacy, and I said to her Anya why is it dark there and she said, I don't know it's been that way for years And I'm like and I'm like well do you want it that way she said no, but my neighbors must want it that way because it's been that way for years. So I said, Well, isn't it your hallway too? She said, Yeah, but I don't think I can ask them because they must want it that way because it's dark. So I said, Well, Anya, it's your hallway too. I mean, you know, I was a little tentative because I didn't want to be too pushy, but I said, like, you could ask them or tell them that you'd like a little light. So we left the building and she goes, Well, how can I say it without being rude? So we, you know, we spent a few minutes, we developed some language, and she sent them an email. So the next time I saw her, I said, you know, Anya, what happened? She said, they put in light bulbs. (laughs) And I said, did you find out why it was so dark? She said, no, but they put in light bulbs and she was very happy. And she said, it taught me a lesson that I can actually ask for what I need. And I was thrilled to have helped her, but I really related to that fear of you know, stepping into kind of a space where you feel like you can't ask for what you need. It's almost like there's this invisible force field that's keeping you back. So that brings us to our Parsha because there are five women, sisters, who step into the breach and ask for exactly what they need and the force field they're shifting is no less than the patriarchy. The daughters are called, well, the sisters, I'll tell you their names in a moment, but they're often referred to as the daughters of Slavchad, right, their father was Slavchad, I think it's a little more empowering to say they were sisters, so not to be defined by their father. And I want to tell you their names, and if you can repeat after me, because I think it's worth remembering their names, and their names are very strange. Hogla. Noah, Tirza, Milka. Machla. Excellent. And here's how the Torah introduces them. The daughters of Slavchad came close. But and now we have a whole line of their ancestry, but only men. Ben ben Gilad, ben Machir, ben You don't have to repeat these. Um, so the daughters of Slavkhad came close. Uh, Slovchad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilad, the son of Nachir, uh, the son of Menashe, of the clan of Menashe, son of Yosef. And these are their names of his daughters, as you heard before. Um, Noah, Machla, Noah, Chogla, Chogla, Milka, and Tirzah. So six male ancestors and five women. And what did they do? So first they came close, whatever that means. It's not clear, but maybe it's actually defined by the next verse, which says, and they stood. Now let's see where they stood. Lefne Moshe before Moses, because Aaron, oops, had already died. el Elazar Hakohen, and in front of Elazar the priest. Hanasiim, and in front of all the princes. All the princes. And the whole community, all the people of Israel, five women got up and stood there. And uh, before in front of the tent of meeting where Moses um, typically met God and where cases were often adjudicated. So they came close and stood they dare to come close to those in power and stand before the entire community, exposed in all their vulnerability. Wow. And what's really interesting is when you hear these words in Hebrew, right, in the Torah, v'tekravna v'tekravna v'ta'amodna, the female plural, for came close and standing, it's almost jarring, because we hardly ever hear the female, the feminine plural, right in Hebrew, um, in the Torah. So they've created this, their space, and let's hear what their request is. Avinu met midbar Our father died in the wilderness. al, korach. And he wasn't part of those rebels that were you know testifying against Moshe and Aaron and against God. He died in his own sin, you know everybody has their own sin, unless they're part of a big collective sin, like the rebellion against uh, Moshe and Aaron. And he didn't have any sons okay so now for now it's all. Kind of in male terms, right? Father died, no sons. But they proceed with their request. Lama shem avinu Why should our father's name be diminished from his family from within his family? Ki ain'lo ben, just because he doesn't have a son. Give us a holding amidst or, or, or within the brothers of our father. Give us a holding. So in all this patriarchal language, it's almost buried, but they finally make their request, which is raw and like exactly what they need. Give us a holding. Their plea is extraordinary unprecedented on a number of levels. There's no legal precedent for this. Five women come up to to challenge right, The, the legal system, the status quo before the entire people of Israel. Wow, what courage, what guts. And interestingly enough, it leaves Moses completely silent, befuddled. He turns it over to God. Now, before we get to what God said, let's consider why was Moses who was adjudicating like the highest level of cases right for the people for all these years in the wilderness, right, 38, 40 years. So why would Moses be silent? So if we think a little bit about the time in the wilderness until now, what were the Israelites asking for? We wanna go back to Egypt, let's go backwards. We don't wanna be in this wilderness and we don't wanna go to this land. Right, Egypt is a place of melon and leeks and onions and garlic and fish. And we had a great right over there. We want to go back to Egypt. So you can imagine Moses was a little confused. This is not the usual complaint. This is I want to go forward. I want to have a legacy in the land. Wow. A holding land. So that in itself is radical. But I think there's something else. Moses is an old old man now. He is facing his mortality. He lost his sister. He just lost his sister Miriam a few portions ago. He lost his brother Aaron. And he's denied, been denied to go into the land, right? Because he hit a rock instead of speaking it before, speaking to it before all the congregation of Israel. He can't go into the land. And in fact, the next episode in this very parsha is him um, transfer transferring leadership to Joshua. So he's really dealing with his mortality and the fact that he can't go into the land. And here are these women, and I imagine young women, but I don't really know who are saying, give us a holding the land. Oh my God, how painful must of that have been for him? Right? How can Moses deal with that? So Moses turns it over to God and it says, Moshe in Mishpatan lifnei Adonai. So Moses brings the matter close to God, right? The the question close to God. Just the way the daughters of Slavchad brought the matter close or brought themselves close, Moshe is bringing the matter close. So let's see what God says. The first thing that God says is pain or yes or yes. Right, these daughters of Slovkad, they are speaking rightly, they are speaking justly. So rightfully speak the daughters of Slovkad, or yes, speak the daughters of Slavchad. You are to give them a hereditary holding in the midst of their father's brother you are to transfer the inheritance of their father to them. They got what they asked for, right? It's interesting, I was talking to a friend of mine about this and she said, even when I don't get what I want, asking itself already shifts the force field. And I feel better, I feel more empowered, but they got what they wanted. But God goes further. God turns their case, right? Into case law for all the Israelites. So here's how it goes. If a man has no sons, his daughters will inherit. If a man has no daughters, his brother will inherit. If a man has no brothers, his closest kin will inherit. Each impossibility becomes a possibility to ensure, and here's the kicker, or here's one of the kickers, that an Israelite man will not lose his legacy and his name will not be diminished in the holdings Right and and the history of Israel, so ultimately it's not about daughters and yet still they asked for what they wanted. The passage concludes with these words, this shall be the law of procedure for the Israelites in, concordance with, in accordance with Adonai's command to Moses. So recently I ran into my neighbor again, and I said, well, how's it going Anya? And she said, they keep putting in more light, like more light, right? So, so possibilities for her of light, of light are multiplying. And if you think about the daughters of Slavchad, their father's name means fear of shadow, fear of shadow. Maybe the patriarchy is defined by this fear of darkness, and they were willing to step into the breach of legal invisibility, right, to become seen. They were the ones who weren't afraid. There are other people in our history, and I mean broadly our history, who by one gesture changed everything. Think about Rosa Parks in 1955 refusing to go to give up her seat to a white man and go to the back of the bus. right? That helped initiate the entire civil rights movement. Think about the words of Muriel Rukeyser, a 20th century poet who said, what would happen if one woman told the truth about her life? The world would split open. Think about our own moment of impossibility and what would it take to shift on the political front, on the climate front, on the p- pandemic front, what it would mean to come forward and shift these force fields. We are right now walking a narrow path from the 17th of Tammuz to the ninth of Av, from the moment when the, wa- the walls in Jerusalem were breached to the moment of destruction of our temples. We're walking this path of impossibility and it's a narrow path. It's more important than ever to stand up with courage and ask for what we need, especially when it is aligned with justice, especially when we've been overlooked by the legal system, treated as marginal, as invisible. So come close and stand, ask for what you want, step into the light. This is what the daughters of Slavchar, or these five sisters, have to teach each of us. Come ever so close, stand, speak. New language comes out of your mouth. Even if you have no clout, ask. Take off your mask, bask in the light. The world will shift and change, rearrange. Old force fields slip away. Shadow gives way to light. Fear dips. You sit with your hands in place and then you stand, you command, you take the space, you come close. Then you land, you band together with your sisters, you walk forward slowly, boldly, you've become a resistor. You move beyond meekness and bleakness, you peak, and now you're leaking, reeking of passion, you're smashing up the powers that be, slashing old chains, flowering in new rains, drawing on ancient stashes of powering, you're reconnecting, perfecting, rejecting, and then accepting, respecting, directing, intersecting. You rise up a new person, sizing up the old order, order, baptizing a new way, because you had the courage, you, to come close, to stand, to stretch out your hand, to understand, because you were willing to drill deep fulfill and still freedom to move beyond the damned and ask for this endless promised sand.